Welcome to HeartSpeak Podcast, episode 155, Dynamic Balance. Welcome to the HeartSpeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world, you are welcome. Thank you for inviting me into your homes, into your lives. And I wonder what your week's been like. You know, I do sometimes wonder whether there are airwaves or frequencies that disturb us. And I very much was aware last week of dreams that were quite disturbing or periods of time where I couldn't remember names. I know that could be my age, but it's not common for me to go into that phase of not remembering. And I really had to work hard to connect to what I wanted to say, the name I wanted to give. And then it all came back again. Have you ever been in that space? And I know that much is happening. This is a very dynamic time, but not always an easy time. I think we're all aware of that. There are several of the planets in retrograde at the moment. They're all going backwards. And when planets go backwards in our minds or in our way we see them, it's like we're being taken deeper and deeper into ourselves. And several of the planets are turning again mid-October. So be aware of how dynamic this will be because as the planets come to slow down and almost what we perceive to be come to a standstill, then they move forward again. We feel the intensity of their energy very much. And this includes Jupiter, which we're going to speak about, Saturn, Mercury will be going retrograde, Um, I'm thinking other planets. I know that Uranus and Neptune will not go direct until the end of the year and into January. Pluto will go direct as well. So these planets, when they're moving into this stationary position before turning direct, will really hone in on whatever energy they're holding. And so be prepared for this. There's going to be an intensification of the energy. It's not necessarily going to be outward. It's going to be as I was feeling in my dreams, in my mind, in my awareness, I had to really keep myself rooted, grounded, and not watch anything that was not pleasant and uplifting before I went to bed. And we have two big events coming up. We have the full moon on the 21st, and we also have the equinox on the 22nd of September. And these two great movements are really helping us to understand the paradigm shift that's taking place on this planet within humanity. So we're going to look at that full moon in Pisces, but the equinox is what it says it is, it's equal day, equal night. And so this is going to occur whether you're in the southern or northern hemispheres. And it is a portal, and many traditions saw this as an extremely important portal, more important than the solstices. In some ways, the solstices are an ending or a beginning, depending on where you see. So the, what we call the winter solstice is the beginning of a new life, and the summer solstice is the beginning of an end. It's the dying process that happens. But an equinox isn't like that. It's literally a doorway where when we align ourselves and we are in balance, we can pass through that doorway into other dimensions, into meeting parts of ourselves we haven't met before, into starting something new. So it wasn't uncommon for 
a doorway in a sacred site, for instance, to point towards the setting sun on an equinox so that you went into this sacred site, you let go of everything that you thought you were, and at the sunrise you came out and there you are, you're a new person. So I hope you'll treat it like that, this sense of letting go and being at a center point, a, a point between two polarities. In other words, uh, I always say a doorway only exists because there's one room on either side of it. But the equinox is saying we're standing in the doorway. So we're neither in the old room nor we're in the new one. And we have the choice. We can go back into the old room, we can go to a new room, and there may be many rooms off that doorway. So uh, treat the equinox as a, a doorway, a passageway, a portal that is offering new opportunities. And what are those new opportunities? Well, we have the full moon, as I say, 20, 21st of September in Pisces, right at the end of Pisces. What's that saying? That's saying this is a time for your imagination to fly, for you to really think big. Pisces always think of themselves as being unlimited. So here's a time of unlimitedness in your life. And it's about illusion and the grand illusion. So we know there's a lot of information flowing around. So what is the grand illusion? The grand illusion is that we've forgotten who we are. The grand illusion may not be that we've forgotten that we are amazing light beings. We are star beings. The grand illusion is that we're just small and insignificant and we have to ask other people for help and we'll never get there because we're not good enough. So the grand illusion is we're not good enough. The true story is we are already immortal beings. Our soul is immortal. Our, our whole beingness has been on this earth and other planets many times. Many times we've created that ego I was talking about, that body, and we've created the perfect ego, the perfect body for our soul to express itself in, in one particular life. And when we have completed what we wanted to do, we drop that cloak, we call it the body, we call it death, and we return to our eternal state to do something somewhere else. And that's what many people are doing. There are many people choosing to leave the planet at this time. They say, this is it, I'm dropping my cloak, I'm off to somewhere else. Many beings who have been on this planet for a long, long time, thousands of years, are using this portal that's being created, not just at the equinox, but during this time of change, to, if I may say, escape from this third density Earth. They've been saying, yay, time to go, doors open. So that opportunity, not necessarily just to leave this planet, but to expand ourselves out of a place that we've been limited in is what is being offered at this time. So let's just look at some of the other actors in the scene at the moment. So we've got Mercury is in Libra. So Mercury in Libra is, Mercury is about the voice, the communication, the thinking, and Libra is about fairness, reasonableness, harmony. So Mercury in Libra is saying we need to be more harmonious. We need to find balance. We need to be more aware of where we're not being fair. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on. And being fair doesn't mean then compromising. And I think that's often happens with Libra. It's like, okay, what do you want to say? Or what do you want? And I'll compromise. So one part of this Mercury in Libra is, hey, no compromise. When I'm in balance, you and I can have a good communication. 
When I'm not, it means I'm putting too much energy into you and your needs and not enough into mine, all right? And Mercury will go retrograde in Libra for quite a period of time, so we've got more of this energy around in October. And then it's trining Jupiter in Aquarius. And Jupiter in Aquarius, as I've talked about, is building new communities, more self-consciousness, people becoming awake, becoming more accountable, willing to speak up, and we're seeing so much of that. And they're communicating about how do we be fair to everybody. But Jupiter is also retrograde. And when something's retrograde, it doesn't always express itself in the outer world. It sometimes can be our own inner world. So Jupiter uh, trining Mercury is really saying, where am I not being fair to myself? Where am I not expanding my awareness? Where am I holding myself back? Where have I got some ideas I want to share and I'm not sharing them? And it's also asking us, is, is the community that you're communicating with one that brings you solace, one that actually brings you into a place of common unity? And so this whole idea of community and common unity also connects to communication. So when we're with someone who we can communicate through our heart, have you noticed that really doesn't matter if they have a different opinion? It feels that we're resonating at that deep level of the heart. There's a, a level of trust, a level of somehow we know each other, even though we may come from very different walks of life and be doing different things. And I believe that this Mercury-Jupiter trine is actually saying to us, are we communicating at the deepest level with members of society that have a common resonance with us? And if not, we need to start to make changes. So just because we've known someone for a while or we're the same family, we might find our communication is not fair and balanced because we're compromising our, our beingness to meet someone else's needs. Does that make sense? And it may well be during this time that the resonance you're having in communication isn't with another human. It might be with your star guides. It may be with the nature kingdoms. It may be with the archangels and angels. I, I believe the communication is going deeper and we're feel, forming communities that don't naturally exist here on Earth. That makes sense? So go wherever you want to go with that. We know the nature kingdoms are also elementals, light beings. Take ourselves to a level where we can communicate with our body, communicate with the cells of our body, with our DNA. It's another part of our community. And what we know, it's not about what we say, it's the, the sensation we feel when we're with that. In other words, when we resonate with someone, we don't have to speak. It's a resonance of the heart, a resonance of the soul, the same frequency, and we know we're in the right place. Okay, so that's one part of this chart at this time. The next one that's very interesting is Venus at the moment is in Scorpio. Venus is I love Scorpio, deep, intense matters. I love sexuality. I love moving my body. I love, I love drumming. I love movement. I love dance. I love hot foods. That's Venus in Scorpio. I love death. I don't scare. I'm not scared by death. I love exploring and transforming. That's that part of Venus in Scorpio. And what's interesting, it's opposing Taurus in Uranus. 
excuse me, Uranus in Taurus. And we've talked a lot about Uranus in Taurus, how new innovations in terms of the body or in nature, that's what we've seen, innovative ideas about how to treat the body. And we can't always agree with how that's done. But what's interesting is that when Venus is opposite Uranus, what we're seeing is innovation in how we have a relationship with our bodies. And I have to laugh because I've spent most of my life trying to say to people, have a better relationship with your body, have a connection to your body. What does your body say? And we've spent so much time in our heads that the body just becomes this vehicle or this vessel. But now I'm hearing people shouting, my body, my freedom, my choice. It's my body, it's my, and it's like, wow, there's a Taurian-like energy which is the my, my something, my body, my sexuality, my decisions, my choices. And it's lovely because it's very embodied energy. You can see it in people's discussions. They're using their whole body and their passion. There's an intensity. There's a, hey, I'm, I want to go deep. I, I'm well, ready to transform myself. And you're not going to tell me how I'm going to do that. I just love that energy. And it then takes us to another energy that's going on. We have Mercury now also squaring Pluto. And I feel that that I may have already addressed, but that Pluto in Capricorn, I've been saying, is transforming old structures, transforming old ways that we're doing things. And again, it's a case of communication because it's uh, squaring Mercury. But it it's really saying to me, this is a way in which we say, I'm no longer going to give my authority over to someone else, some institution, some organization that tells me they're the experts in this field. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to listen to my own body. I'm going to listen to what's going on. And Pluto is saying, as I've said, she is the dark goddess who is saying any institution that sets themselves up as the experts is deserving to be knocked down because only if they can revalue themselves and, and bring new life to the world will we respect them. In other words, they need to go into the fire of truth. If they never come back, they were never worthy in the first place. And what we're seeing is more and more authority figures thinking that, well, I, I'm the person who is the minister of health or the minister of truth or the minister, I'm going to tell you what to do. And it's not working because it's a small, such a small percentage of individuals who believe they're outside the law. And Pluto says nobody's outside the law. There's a law, there's a fairness, there's a balance, and there will be a time where everybody has to answer to the higher law rather than the lower laws that we have set up. And that brings me in line with Saturn that's also having an effect on Venus and the, Venus <coughs> and Uranus, excuse me, I was just putting my mind together there. And Saturn to me is like the authority figure. Saturn in our chart often relates to the father or the mother figure, usually the father, the authority figure. And I think that when we thought about Saturn in Aquarius, that was going to be, oh, that's great. We're going to build the foundation of new communities and it's all going to be wonderful and we're all going to respect each other, etc. Well, that's not happening. Instead, what we have, and I've always said this might happen, Saturn in Aquarius, Aquarius can be quite detached. So it's individuals who actually have very little connection to 
one could say compassion, setting up rules and just saying, this is the way it's going to be. And if you don't do it my way, then I'm going to give you trouble. And I saw this in the way of saying, how can a parental energy, certainly wasn't true of my own parents, but a parental energy abuse their power? And I'm seeing that in the world. So if we just go through the chakras, that might give you an idea of what I'm saying here. So you remember that the chakra that we got disconnected from is the root chakra, nine feet under our feet, three meters under our feet. When we connect through our roots to that root chakra, we're connected to Mother Earth. She is our security. She is the source of our abundance. Through her, we survive and thrive. But when we killed the dragon or killed the serpent, we got cut off from that root chakra, and now all our survival mechanisms come through the base chakra, the base of our spine. And those base energies are very much into a tribal community. It's a sense of following the tribal laws. Okay, so instead of following your own innate energy coming from the earth, we now set up man-made rules and you have to follow them. And so here we have rules being made, mandates being made, rules being made out of the blue, like, hey, I've got a new one. And if you don't do it, fear. You're going to get sick. I'm going to, you know, you'll die. Uh, you'll be abandoned. You'll be taken away from the food. You won't be able to do what you want. All our survival needs are being threatened at the moment by a man-made rule. And when we tap into the root chakra, she says, actually, there's, a, there's eternal energy for you. Don't worry about it. So one, the more we root ourselves, the less this will have an effect. But it's very interesting that some other beings think that they can direct our survival. So let me just remind everyone, including myself, that my soul is eternal. It has had many lifetimes, living, dying, living, dying on other planets. My soul is eternal. Nobody can destroy my soul. My body is something that I have control over. My ego, I have control over. I make choices for my body. I've already chosen, as all of you have, the day you will die. That's already set in the stone. We've already decided <clears throat> how we're going to live. We have choice there, but the length of time is already decided. So you cannot make me sick, in some ways, you can't make me well. You can't make me happy. You can't make me sad. It's my choice. I can choose if I let you do that, but you can't do it. So I'm sorry if you believe that setting up some rules will actually influence how I choose to live my life and how I look after my body. Sorry, that's not your choice. We go up to the sacral chakra. The sacral chakra is a chakra of relationships, as you know. On a healthy sacral chakra, <clears throat> we're talking about self-respect. Respect is the most basic instinct of every being on this planet, including the animal kingdoms, the plant kingdoms. We should respect everything. It has a life force. The opposite of that is abuse. So abuse occurs where it might be mental, sexual, physical. But abuse is when we shame someone. We say we're disappointed in them. We put them down. We belittle them. And boy, is a lot of that going on at the moment. The bullying. Think what I say. Do what I say. 
otherwise you're a shameful person. That's got to stop. I'm sorry, I don't care who you are, but you will respect me. I'm always very emotional on that. Not because I don't respect myself, but I am so upset when people are not respected. Nobody, 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 nobody has a right to disrespect anybody. And then we move up to the solar plexus. The solar plexus is this place where I say, I like myself, I'm okay. And I'm not, when I'm in that space, I honor myself. I'm not affected by approval or the need for approval or criticism. I can take it or leave it. But that's a place that's really being hit at the moment. Guilt, victimhood, blame, shame, judgment. All of those are manifesting as well in that solar plexus, especially judgment. You're right, I'm wrong, blah, 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 blah. This has to stop. This is the place of our ego. I love my ego. We need an ego. Don't let anybody take your ego away. When my ego is healthy, I like myself. I don't need to keep telling you who I am, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm comfortable with myself. And I was impressed recently where someone kept saying to me, are you angry with me? Have I made you angry? Have I hurt you? Have I hurt your feelings? I was so interested because it was like they were really saying, I'm that powerful that I can hurt you. I can hurt your feelings. I can make you angry. And I'm sorry, you're not that powerful because the solar plexus is the place of power games. How can I make you feel a way that would belittle you? Didn't work on me. We move up into the heart. We move up to the heart chakra, this chakra where we find that balance where we find that deep, loving connection to our soul, to our higher self. And we know that when we're in that place, it doesn't mean, oh, I love everybody, but we're not affected by these third density energies, second density energies that seem to want to play around in the, the darkness of the oceans, the bottom feeders, as I call them. And then the throat chakra. Throat chakra can get into troubles, when we get too lost in ideas, but it's very much about the will. And the will isn't about my ego's will, it's about can my throat chakra express my higher self? Can it express the fullness of who I am? Third eyes, where we find again this wonderful balance, where we are no longer caught up in the, the trivial, if I may say. We can see everything that we are. We've brought it all into balance, and there it is in the third eye. The crown chakra connects us to this higher self. When the higher self, the silver thread, is connected to the gold thread in the heart, the alchemy happens. We are these light beings. So I see a huge change happening where we are no longer willing to give away authority. When we are no longer willing to give authority away to someone else who belittles us or demeans us, it then says, I'm willing to be accountable for everything I do in my life. And accountability means I'll make mistakes. I'll, I'll take whatever, one could say, punishment I need to. I will change. But no one else is going to rule how I live my life. And that's the place, true place of Saturn in Aquarius and Jupiter in Aquarius. I'm willing to be my own authority and all that it comes with that. 
And the last energy that I wanted to speak about was Eris. And Eris has come into astrology uh, quite strongly. It's one of the, the dwarf planets. And I studied Eris, uh, as I often do study something, at, a, at a, quite a depth because I wanted to understand her true role in our lives. You know, I remember where Chiron, the wounded healer, came into astrology back in, I think, 1977. And it was always said that a planet comes into astrology when we need that planet. So 1977, there was a sense of we need to start to heal ourselves or heal the collective consciousness, whatever it is. So there was a great healing going on and it continues it now. So I look back to think where Eris, E-R-I-S, when was she discovered? She was discovered in 2005 and then she was named in 2006. So I thought, what is it that Eris is bringing to us that happened around 2005? And Eris is seen as the goddess of discord. And so she's said to be the one that stirs everything up and is causing women to stand up and fight for their rights, which I think could be true. But I think that's more of a Pluto energy, frankly. The women are being that strong power within them. So I went back to Eris's story and Eris is really a feature of the Greeks. And the Greek Roman mythologies started probably about 3,500 years ago. And the problem is that during that time was really the beginning of patriarchy and the suppression of the feminine. So when I hear that any mythology that we're using in psychology or astrology comes only from the Greeks and Romans, I know it has a patriarchal priority. It has a, a bias. And that, it's kind of sad because that's what we get lost in. And then we get, oh, it's all got to be about this. So then I looked at Eris and Eris, as I say, came from that time. But there were older goddesses such as Pallas Athena that I mentioned and Hera and Aphrodite who were much older goddesses, i.e. they were there before the patriarchy came in, in the Greek times. So the story about Eris is that she went into Hera's and Hera is a very ancient goddess called the Queen of Heavens. And she went into Hera's garden where there was an orchard where golden apples were growing. And the golden apple is the apple of immortality. Almost like when you eat the golden apple, you are immortal. But it's also a symbol, an alchemical symbol of immortality. You've, you've transformed yourself into that place, that light body that I talk about. So Eris sneaked in past the serpent dragon Ladon, who was guarding this orchard, and stole a golden apple. So what does that mean? So as you may have come across a serpent before, the serpent dragon is about this dragon power, this wisdom power, and that our access to the garden usually is when we have developed our own serpent energy through trials and tribulations, through owning all parts of ourselves and created this wonderful caduceus energy that allows us to then become immortal. So it is through our lives, through our life work, through the absorbing of all of the wisdom that we have experienced in, in all many of our lives that we grow this serpent ladder until this golden apple is formed and we are immortal. So that's what the symbolism of that is. So Eris just sneaking in and stealing the apple was against the law. 
And she was doing it against Hera, who really was one of her sisters, if you want to say it that way, and actually a higher goddess. So then she takes the, god, the apple, as the story goes, and throws it in the middle of these three goddesses. Aphrodite, who is the goddess of love, she is the one that brings us the love of life, the enjoyment of life, the life force. Hera, who is the queen of heavens, who is the goddess of relationships, right relationships, healthy rhythms. She keeps everything in balance. And Pallas Athena, the goddess of intuition, true wisdom. So here you have these amazing three goddesses and you have this young goddess called Eris who throws this apple in, the apple of immortality. And the patriarchy tell the story that, oh, well, what happened was that the, the apple represented who is the fairest of them all. So it went from these amazing goddesses to seeing women as just bothering about whether or not they were fair or not, who was the prettiest. And so it says these three squabbled amongst themselves, which was really how the patriarchy saw women, just at that level of bitchiness, fighting each other. And what happened then was that Paris, who was a human, had to pick one of the three goddesses who was the fairest of them all, and he picked Aphrodite, which apparently then went on to cause the Trojan Wars, etc., etc., the wars between the Greeks and the Turks. But the fact of the matter is that Eris was seen as the goddess of discord, but really she was a goddess who the reason that she did this <clears throat> was that she wasn't invited to the wedding because she kept causing disruption. So in some ways, she was so jealous of these three goddesses being there that she called this, caused this disruption and caused them to fight each other. You with me? So then it says to me, well, what was going on in 2005 that needed us to bring such a goddess into the astrology? And made me think, well, that's not so long ago, but was this a time where women were starting to achieve something? They were really getting into the world, but then the patriarchy were a little scared of them, so created this sort of discord amongst them. Because I truly believe the only reason a glass ceiling is there is that women don't trust each other, they fight each other. And that when women trust each other, then we won't have a glass ceiling. When women stop cheating on each other, we won't have a glass ceiling. So it's almost like in 2005, that energy got built up. The other thing that happened was I think around 2005, I know 2003, 2004, 5, was a time where scientists were starting to patent viruses, patent DNA, starting to act as if they were gods, as if they wanted to create immortality, but not go through the process of having to do their own inner work. And I believe that was a time where by defleeting and suppressing the feminine energy that is powerful, rhythm, love, intuition, creation, essential qualities within men and women for the humanity, for the organic growth of humanity, it felt as if patriarchy were trying to steal the apple of immortality and get there by subversive ways. 
creating inorganic light bodies, beings that couldn't be destroyed. But what will happen is they have no life force in them because it's only through our trials and tribulations that we actually build the strong core of this serpent energy I'm talking about that eventually allows us to know and to reconnect to the immortality that lives within us now. You don't have to go through trials and tribulations to get there. You're already eternal. But part of our journey now is to reconnect to that, to build that serpent ladder and reconnect and say, I will never be separated again from who I am. So I hope that gives you some guidance of where we're going. If you wish to do an exercise when you're working with the equinox, I suggest you might create a figure of eight. You can go figure of eight, always starting with your heart, figure of eight in the front, back to the heart, in the back, back to the heart, to the side, back to the heart, to the other side, back to the heart, above your head, back to the heart, beneath your feet, back to the heart, to the crown chakra, back to the heart, to the base chakra, back to your heart, throat chakra, back to your heart, sacral chakra, back to your heart, and heart and solar plexus. And when you've done that, connect the heart to the third eye. And that will bring that immortality, that golden apple at the third eye, to say, I am home. Wishing you a wonderful week. Happy Equinox. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on Christine's channel on YouTube and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of HeartSpeak.